this. Um, tonight, at the, toward the end of our service, we are going to have a time of prayer, um, just so you can be, be thinking about that. And we want to focus tonight uh, in our prayer time on praying for our missionaries, uh, lifting them up before the Lord. So you can be thinking and uh, gives time for God to lay a missionary on your heart that at the end of our service we will we will take time to pray for them uh, so that you know. I will try to leave time for that um, so you don't have to worry about that. It won't do you any good if you do worry about it. Um, but I'll try to leave time for prayer time at the end. But in uh, Ephesians chapter 1, going to be reading verse 1 down through verse 14. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to his to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he has made us accepted in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which is purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of time he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. In him also we have obtained an inheritance being predestined according to the purpose of him, who works all things according to the counsel of his will, that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. Let's just go to the Lord in prayer. Father, as we come before you and look into your word, we ask that uh, we would better understand you through this. Uh, We would, our um, understanding of this passage would be according to your will, and we cannot do that without your spirit's leading. So as we look into your word, I ask that your spirit would be our guide tonight, that you would give me the words to say, uh, that I would be sensitive to that and uh, that we would respond the way that you desire. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. As we look at this passage, we are going to be looking at uh, what we have in Christ. And as we begin to look at that, uh, first off, just kind of as a little bit of a side note, here we find the longest sentence in the New Testament. From verse 3 all the way down through verse 12 is one sentence from the Apostle Paul. And uh, many believe he did that because as he was writing this, um, he couldn't find a place that he he wanted to stop. He wanted to make sure he got through the entire thought before he uh, put put an end to it. So here we find the longest sentence in the New Testament here from verse three down through verse 12. But as we begin looking at this passage in verse two, it says, uh, 
verse 1 to the saints, he says, grace to you and peace from God our Father. And in looking at that, we think, okay, that's uh, a greeting that Paul is, is starting out with, and it is. But as you think, he is saying grace to you. Now, he is writing to believers who have been saved through grace already, but he is, he is praying and he is wishing and he is bidding them that not only uh, that grace that they have already received for salvation, but God's grace daily would be evident in their life. And that should be a prayer for all of us, that God's grace uh, could be clearly seen through each thing that we can come in contact with every day, every trial that we face. But he says grace and peace. And it's always in that order. It's always grace and peace because without the grace of God, we will not have the peace ruling our hearts. So Paul is saying, I'm, I'm praying for you. Um, I'm, I'm sending this blessing of grace and peace from God, our father. Now, now think about that. Probably been asked a time or two, um, is so-and-so your father? Um, anybody ever had that question? Is so-and-so or are you related to this person? And um, if you've ever been out to uh, the Sheraton, the care center, you'll, you'll get asked, okay, are you related to this person? And you'll, you'll go down a whole family line of, of some people and maybe people you don't even know. And is so-and-so your father? And depending on uh, where your status with your father, sometimes you enjoyed people asking that because you could say, yeah, that's, that's my dad. Now, depending on who your father was, sometimes it might be, yeah, that's my dad. Now, think about what Paul is saying here from God, our father, our heavenly father. I mean, that we can refer to him as our father. Uh, I know I take for granted too often. Think of the importance of that. So it's starting out at this point that Paul is saying, I want to remind you believers of what you are in Christ with God being your heavenly father. And if you look in verse three, he says, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And what are the last two words in Christ? These are not things that are found outside of Christ. These are not things that mankind can come up with. So he is reminding the believers, these are what you find in Christ. And that's what I want to do tonight is remind you of what you are in Christ. It's easy as people to sometimes uh, let our uh, maybe who we were determine how we live or what we wish we were. But these are foundations. These are things that are settled as a as a child who has been redeemed. These are things that I am in Christ. These are not what ifs I had done. No, these are what I am in Christ. And the first one we find is in verse four. He says, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Tonight, be reminded that I am chosen. You are chosen. And I I can guess that some of you are already beginning to wonder, are are you going to go down that rabbit path, that trail of the the argument of, okay, did he choose us? Did we choose? 
I'm not going to go there. That's not the point that we're trying to make. But just think of this um, God choosing you. Have you ever been on a uh, playground or um, you're going out to play something and you go to pick teams? And depending your athletic, your ability, that either was a time that you said, okay, I'm, you know, let's pick teams, let's divide up. If you weren't that athletic, weren't that good, it was, oh no, where am I going to be? And you can probably, as we're, as I'm even talking, you can probably think of times where you were standing there of like, okay, somebody please call my name. The longer this goes, the more embarrassing this gets. God did not pick you because of some certain ability that you had. He did not look down and say, yeah, that person looks pretty athletic. I'll take them. Maybe you've been on the side of picking teams and you've been looking at people thinking, okay, I've never played soccer with this person before, but they look fairly athletic. You know, they look like they might be a good addition to the team. God was not looking down from heaven and saying, okay, I need somebody to fill this position. Who could I pick? Who, who looks like they would be the best fit for that? He is not stuck with you. You were not the last of the pick. And okay, who do we put? Okay, here we have Jimmy. Whose team do we put Jimmy on? We have even teams right now, but somebody's got to take him. You, he was not stuck with you. You are wanted. And isn't that the desire of mankind in general? We want to be wanted. We want to be to people to desire us. And God has chosen you. And think of everything that that holds. Uh, before we move on to our next point, I found two, uh, two different quotes that I thought were really good. Um, one was from W.G. Blakey. He said, divine sovereignty and human responsibility and free will and universal offer of mercy are all found in Scripture and though we are unable to harmonize them by our logic, they all ought to have a place in our minds. And then this one's from uh, Charles Spurgeon, um, how he used to describe uh, entering heaven, how he thought entering heaven might look. He said that as you entered heaven, you may come through the gate and the verse would be, oh, be over the gate that come whosoever will. And as the person would walk through the gate, and if they were to turn around on the back side of that would say, chosen before the foundation of the earth. So that he said, the idea is that from this side of heaven, as we are here, we have a responsibility to choose to follow Jesus. But when we get to heaven, we'll find out that we had been chosen all along. Now, that's how that's how Spurgeon wrestled with this idea. But as I said, we're going to move on. But you are chosen. But he goes on in verse four and he says, not only are you chosen, but because of that, because of Christ working in you, because you are in Christ, you are holy and without blame. Holy, meaning set apart. We stand blameless before God. I know it was last Sunday when my dad was talking about if we had put up on the video of just from this past week of maybe things that you had done that were wrong or thoughts. And that can bring guilt with it, thinking, man, just think of in one week how many times. But when we stand before Christ, 
He does not see our sinfulness. He sees the payment that Jesus made. And because of that, not because of me, but because of that, we can say that we are holy and without blame in Christ. Then look in verse 5. He says, having predestined us to adoptions as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. We see that in Christ that I am adopted, that I am adopted, that not only did he choose us, but it wasn't choosing for a team so much more than that. He took us into his family that I am adopted in Galatians three and verse 26. It says, for you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. As a child, he knows my needs. Think about that. And we pointed out already as God as our shepherd. But think of God as your father. As a parent, and this is just a human parent, you know the needs of your kids. Um, quite often we'll hear, I'm hungry. Anybody ever hear that? Okay, well here we have some carrots for you to eat or something else. No, I'm, I'm not hungry for carrots. I'm, I'm really hungry. I, I'm hungry for some candy. Now that's, that's a simple one where you say, okay, this is not hunger. This is, you just have a craving for something sweet. There's a difference, but you know what your child needs. You know, what is good for them? What is not good for them? But even that, sometimes as a parent, sometimes what we think is best for our child isn't always what is best. But God is our heavenly father and us as his children. He knows what you need. He doesn't ever make mistakes. He doesn't ever look down. Oh, man, I shouldn't. I wish I had known that and I wouldn't have done that with them. I, w- I wish I wouldn't have punished them because it was actually their sibling that had done that. No. God knows our needs, but not only because does he know our needs, but as his children, as being adopted, he says in Hebrews four sixteen that then to come boldly to his throne of grace, that we may find mercy and grace to help in time of need. So because I am his child, then that gives me access to him. Your children have access to you more than any other kid in the world. You know, they can come up and say, I'm hungry. Can I have some candy to eat? And you might sometimes give it to them. If kids just off the street are running up to you, I'm hungry. Can I have some candy? Wait a second. Where's your parents at? Go talk to your parents. As his child, I have access to him. He knows my needs and I have access to him. But also, and this can be hard sometimes, as his child, there are moments of correction in love. You know what? I don't I don't punish or correct other people's kids. I'm not their parent. But God has given me kids that to help guide and direct. And sometimes that's through correction. And we've all been there. And God uses that correction in love to help guide and direct us. But then also, as his child being adopted I have a perfect father. As good as a father as you had, 
Even if you say, man, I have the best earthly father, they're still not perfect. But my heavenly father is perfect. And he says, I am adopted as sons, and the end of the verse, to the good pleasure of his will. It's for his honor and glory and for his will that I am adopted. So tonight you are adopted. You, have, you are royalty. You have a perfect heavenly father. And in verse 6, because we are in Christ, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he has made us accepted in the beloved. Where it says, in the beloved, that is referring to Christ. Because I am in Christ, then I am accepted. Think about that. How many times have you strived to earn someone's acceptance? Just man, mankind's acceptance. Maybe it was a boss. Maybe it was a parent that, that you had really looked to as a, as a child. You can look back and say, man, I was really like trying to earn acceptance by either accomplishing things, by um, maybe doing uh, what they just out of a, obeying them that then you were trying to earn their acceptance. Or maybe it's uh, some people that uh, you admired that you really wanted them to accept you. And maybe you did earn their acceptance, but maybe you didn't. But to think that we can stand before God and he says that you are accepted, that he welcomes us, that tells me that there's no more striving, that I don't have to do some certain thing to earn his acceptance. He has already chosen me. He is, he has called me his son. And so I am accepted before him. You know, most religions say you have to live a good life. You have to do this before God will accept you. But the word of God says, no matter how good I live, I'm still a sinner. I can't earn his acceptance. The word of God says that because of what Jesus did, that is the reason that I have acceptance and that I no longer have no longer have to strive. Look in verse number seven. So he accepts us. And then he says, in him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin, according to the riches of his grace. Tonight, you are redeemed. This word refers to that of going and buying a slave and setting them free from their bondage. And tonight, hopefully you can say, man, I can see where I have been set free from the bondage of sin. Does that mean you no longer sin? No, it does not. But the power of sin is broken and the power of Jesus is at work in your life. So you are redeemed. You are no longer a slave to sin. Jesus has paid the price. And you are free tonight. And with that, he says also, I am forgiven. We have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. The peace that comes from realizing that my sins are forgiven. That I'm not striving to earn that forgiveness. That I'm not working to do something to have forgiveness. That because of Jesus, I can say, you know what? I am forgiven before God. The debts have been forgiven. They've forgiven. They've been placed away. Sadly, many times, even as Christians, we live like we're still trying to earn God's forgiveness. We've accepted his forgiveness. We, we have received it for salvation. 
But we still deep down inside, yeah, but I got, I have to do this to show him that I was worthy of salvation. Are you living trying to earn your forgiveness? God does not require that and you will never be able to. So rest in the fact that Jesus says that you are forgiven. And then in verse 11, we look forward and he says, In him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Tonight you have a great inheritance, one in which the state cannot take away. Some of you have maybe been through that with parents that have that have passed and the state comes in and says, we're taking this chunk away from from you. Our inheritance is an eternal one to which nothing can touch because we are his children, because we've been adopted. Now we are heirs of the inheritance of eternal life. In John 14 and verse three, he Jesus promised that I go to prepare a place for you. Have you ever been on a trip and you just missed being at home? Man, I can't wait to get home, to sleep in my own bed, to uh, be at my own place again. That should be the longing of our heart as believers, that this world is not my home. I'm just passing through. When you're passing through a place, you don't get weighed down with everything in that area because it's not your home. And we have an inheritance in Christ. And then verse 13, here's the promise. He says, in him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom having believed you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. You are sealed tonight. This is like putting his his stamp on, on you that you are his. And what is the stamp? It is the Holy Spirit. So do you see the stamp at work in your life? The Holy Spirit. Hey, I know that I am his. I know that he has called me, that he has chosen me, that I am his son, that I have a great inheritance awaiting in Christ. Have you forgotten who you are in Christ? The distractions in the world, just the distractions in ourselves can take me away from seeing who I really am in Christ. That he has called me. You are accepted. You are chosen. You are loved. Live for his glory today. What does it say in verse 12? That, that we who first trust in Christ should be, able, should be to the praise of his glory. Are you living to the praise of his glory? Or are you living for the things of this earth? Living for self? Remember, God knows you. He loves you. Why would we not live for him? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we constantly need to be reminded of what you have done and who we are before you. Not only before salvation, But then after salvation of being reminded of who we are, the power at work in our lives. Lord, I thank you for your word that it is true, that it tells us 
uh, how to live before you, and it tells us who you are. Lord, I thank you that you are our perfect Father, and I thank you that we have the the hope of heaven that we can look forward to the day uh, where our faith will be sight. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right, if we could give